you have to forge your own path and you have to right. be willing to do things in your way, even though that might be different than someone else who has already been successful in your field. I got a compliment the other day from, which is very kind, but I got a compliment. Are we going to talk about someone saying that you're good looking again? We could. We could. <laughs> I think the opportunities that exist out there today, this podcast included, there are more avenues for success by charting your own path and doing it your own methodical way. That's going to be where you make your hay. That's going to be where you make your bones. I might be jealous of your design skills. Is that what you're saying? Oh, well, are, are you? Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in the digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside of you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media, at Pod4Creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So how's your uh, summer hours coming? Good. Mm. It's weird. I read for a little bit and then I'm like, hmm, maybe I should vacuum. So I like <laughs> vacuumed the downstairs. And I'm like, this is this is very unusual, but it feels good. <laughs> is it is it is it tenable? Can you make this a thing? I don't know. I'm gonna say it's only been three days, and one of them was my birthday, which was like a weird day anyway. So. <laughs> Because we'll it was your birthday? No, just because, you know, when it's your birthday, that's not a normal day. I mean, I was getting interrupted all day by like phone calls and texts and just, you know, it's always a nice opportunity just to catch up with people. So, sure. You know how it goes. So, what's new? Uh, working on my uh, influencer presentation for this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's coming along very well. Um, I'm actually very proud of the opening so far. I feel like it's on solid footing. I always dance around how to like get to the part that I'm trying to like really kind of get to. Like if that makes any sense, you know, the intro pieces are always interesting. Like when I did the disruption talk, I was able to speak a lot about me personally and the era that I grew up in. So of course it's the internet era. So, you know, I can kind of chart for people where my, involvement was in the internet era and I kind of you know rode the wave all the way up to where we are today like I got in on the ground floor that time so you know you felt like you had some solid footing talking about how things have changed and where things have been going and how I think I'm kind of the right person to be talking about some of these things um, <laughs> setting yourself up as the authority basically yeah I mean you have to right it's your room you got to yeah, own the room yeah. while uh, also being one with the people Right. Common folk. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Have my conversation notes just in case I need to start up a chat or something. <laughs> yeah. So this one's coming along well. Um, it's all about influencers and the power of influencers, how to um, not only identify influencers in your school district community, but how to kind of encourage them and maintain them and leverage their, you know, the power from them and or of them. Um, so that's coming along really well. I could talk a little bit about the I was intro, just but say. it's not. Yeah, I feel like I teased it enough. I could. So I spend a little bit of time talking about how when I was a little kid, used to really like catching fireflies, and I try to draw the connection to this power of a of a of a lightning bug, who you know is a very small bodied insect, but generates this really big power of light. 
It's almost um, like magical, especially when you're a kid, because there's there's really nothing else like a lightning bug, and they're only out at least where we grew up in a very small portion of the year. So yeah, it's kind of like this just really cool thing. Yeah, and and uh, I was doing some research recently, uh, and read that there's this species of uh, lightning bugs uh, somewhere around the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, and they have this. I don't know what the right word is, but they have this kind of ritual where as it starts to get dark out, one of them will will light up and another one will notice it and that one will light up and then three, ten, twenty, hundred, a thousand. And it becomes this like really powerful kind of like chain connection there. And um, I'm using that as kind of the foundation as influencers where, you know, we see something as consumers coming from not the brand mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's like, Hey, that's kind of interesting. And let me try this out and embrace whatever this is. And then you have a better experience or a good experience, a similar experience, and you pass that on. And then you're starting to become an influencer for that brand. And I want to kind of use that as kind of the framework of it. I think that's a pretty solid foundation. I really hope there aren't a lot of people who are going to this conference that are now listening to this. I <laughs> this was just saying because that. I just you... gave away the whole opening. But <laughs> no, it's worth it because it's a good, it's a good, it's allowing me to talk it through and see if there's any holes in anything. So, um, but that's it. That's as far as I'll go right now. Okay. So, um, but it's, it's coming along. It's coming along. Awesome. I like that. I feel like I was just talking about this on an Instagram story last week about just like the power of one friend saying to another, hey, check this out, or just one friend seeing another friend doing something or listening to something or buying something. Um, Are you going to, in your research, get into like the psychology behind that? Because I find all of this so interesting. I mean, basically, when it comes down to it, we want to do what everyone else is doing. I mean, there's I, there's no other way to say it, right? Yeah, the the the, the power of the influencer voice is, is has never been higher. Um, I think consumers trust their their peers more than they trust brands. So it's in the best interest of brands to be utilizing the power of influencers. I mean, for school districts, in our case, there's a little bit more at stake. I think in in some instances with school districts, maybe not. Maybe that's a really dumb comment to make because there's there's stuff at stake for for major brands as well but for for schools i think that there's plenty of conversations that take place on social media that they could be tapping into you know parents tagging their kids at school events or um you know teachers who are using uh twitter or other social media platforms as an extension of their professional learning communities that the the major district account can kind of tap into and uh use to kind of benefit their their brand, their organization. So there's a plenty of opportunities that exist, I think, out there that we can kind of get into more as we get into this uh, this talk in uh, in July. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. Like, I think I can pinpoint, you know, what an influencer would be for most companies or most brands. But when it comes to like a, an education system, like who who are your influencers on it? But you just said it. It's it could be a teacher, it could be a parent. Could it be a student? Alumni, student. Yeah, anyone, absolutely. Really, really anyone really, involved in the organization. I think it can be anybody. Yeah, I do. I think it can be I think it can be anybody so long as you're there to kind of provide some structure and guidance and support to, you know, what you're ultimately trying to accomplish. Um, this is a good conversation as it comes to, you know, producing video content. If you're producing more formalized, structured content for your brand or organization and you're looking to feature people in that video to really be an authentic voice on behalf of your brand – it always cracks me up that we have 
school districts who are like, well, we have to get our superintendent in there and we have to get our assistant superintendent in there. And you're like, nobody ever interfaces with these individuals regularly. Like if you're a parent of a student, you're seeing their teacher on a regular basis. You might see their principal on a regular basis. Those are the people who need to be the movers and shakers and voices for your district, not the superintendent, not the board president, not, a, you know, it, it's, it's, it's identifying like, the right people. It's also like no one is going to be able to relate to that person at right. all because they're like, like, they're one in, you know, there are lots of teachers, there are lots of students, but there's only one superintendent. And like you right. said, not a lot of people even know who that person looks like. Well, think about what we've done here too. Like, you know, when we pose questions to our audience, right? I mean, that's as, a, as authentic as it gets. Certainly we have experiences, but you know, hell, why not get it from, the people who are on the, on the front, you know, front lines on a daily basis and get their experiences and kind of beat up their experiences a little bit, talk about them. Um, you know, that's just great fodder for us. It's great content for us, but everybody can relate to that. I'd like to get more audience participation. I feel like from the, the PFCers, I don't know. I, I feel just make that up PFCers. Well, I don't know. I don't know what we call our, our people, but creative fam. Yeah, the creative fam. I like that. So I would like to hear more from the creative fam. And I'm not I'm not saying this as a like a PSA, just I find it really interesting whether or not it's something that we share directly on the podcast or on social media. I personally like hearing stories of other creatives in their day to day life, whether it be a, a business story or a personal story. I mean, I'm genuinely interested in it. So maybe it's it's a selfish thing that I'm saying, but I don't know. I always find it to be cool. Well, I think it's things that we can identify with. You know, there's there's examples of people's days that you're, you know, you you go like, oh, yeah, you know, like I had that same thing happen mm-hmm. to me. But listening to how somebody handled it can really be impactful to, you know, maybe how you might handle a similar situation that you're going through or something down the line that you might come into into contact with. Yeah. You don't seem as excited, though. Do you like hearing from people? I do like hearing from people. I do. What was that all about? <laughs> I don't know. You weren't like, yes, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I was a little more <laughs> subdued than I probably should have been in my response. I always want to hear from people. I don't know. I mean, we always seem to get some really good uh, anecdotes from, from you know, our, our, our listeners. But um, like, are you talking about doing more all calls for things like this? Or are you looking to kind of like set up more of a formal, like what's, what are you stumped on or what are you struggling with and what can we help on or, you know, something I think like a little that. bit of everything. I think I enjoy just the organic conversations. Like say one of us hop on a story and we talk about something. And even if we don't say, Hey, share your story with us. Like if someone just writes back, like I always think that that is, that's super cool. I just like bonding with our audience in that way. Um, but yeah, maybe we could do more formal calls to action, whether it be to get stories that we can share here on the podcast or just trying to get a better idea of what people are struggling with or what are you struggling with right now? Um, I, I've got a, uh, a champagne problem right now because (laughs) I've decided that I'm going to do these summer hours that are self-imposed. So now it's the struggle of being able to do things that are not related to work. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, there is a real struggle in that. It is, has been me coming to terms with the fact that I find so much self-worth in, in my work. I think that there's, 
you know, kind of two ends of the spectrum when it comes to stuff like this. It's people who who really do need to hustle and and put in more work. Maybe they're a little bit lazy. And then there's people like me on the other end who are doing more than what is actually effective. Um, and in like looking back on, you know, work that I've done, like in my in my whole career, but I mean, definitely in the time that I've had my own business, it's I'm able to pick out points where I'm saying like, I didn't really need to do that. Or like, I didn't really need to be stressing about that. And I think that I have like subconsciously created more work for myself and made things more difficult because that means I get to keep working. And when I get to keep working, I feel better about myself or I feel like, you know, I'm a more worthy person, which is ridiculous. So I'm trying yeah, to but change you kind of <laughs> got at this, though, the last episode where it's, you know, how do you define yourself and, you know, why it's important to kind of take stock in your victories and what you've done and also celebrate some of those victories, too, because you're right. I mean, we, we don't do nearly enough of that. I feel like, you know, I got a compliment the other day from which is very kind, but I got a compliment. Are we going to talk about someone saying that you're good looking again? We could. We could. I mean, <laughs> you're like, oh, I have a whole book of known those. For. <laughs> Yes, we'll get to that at a later date. Um, but it was a it was a nice compliment about how I've been working with um, somebody who I manage, and I'm just not comfortable with things like that. Like I've just you know it's part of your job, it's what you do. I don't necessarily sit and take stock in it. I mean, I, I'm very appreciative of it. Not something that I sit back and I go like, well, I've really come a long way. You just kind of do. I have a hard time like stopping and saying, boy, I just really had a great day today. I'm gonna go out and celebrate this day or I'm going to go do this to reward myself for this because it's like there's going to be another day tomorrow. You're only as good as the next day, you know, so there's just I have a hard time with that. Yeah. Do you feel like you also have a hard time taking compliments sometimes and people telling that telling you that you've done a good job? Like when someone says that to you, do you say like, oh, I know. No. Right. I kind of just bow my head. You know, it's like one of those like just yeah, you know, with a nod and, you know, like a half smile, like just to acknowledge the compliment. But I'm not. And that's how I truly feel. I, I, I'm not. I'm, I'm very grateful for the kind words that people say if I do something well. Uh, on the other hand, I always have I haven't always handled it well when somebody says I haven't done something. well. So <laughs> it goes both ways. But maybe my acknowledgement of it is me acknowledging that, yeah, I am aware of the job that I've done. I'm not going to sit there and, and maybe take credit for all of it, but I'm aware of the work that I've put in. I'm not blind to it. It's not like I backed into it. You know, that's, that's certainly something that I feel like I, I'm, I'm a little awkward with when, when that comes to, I, to pass. I think that's normal. Something that I've caught myself doing when people give me compliments is redirecting it. So if someone says like, Oh, Hey, Michelle, I love your shirt. I'll be like, thanks. Um, yeah, it was only like $10. I got it at TJ Maxx. Like I'll, I'll need to like put some kind of thing in it that like takes away from anything that might be celebrating me and my shirt. Yeah. You want to just, you don't want the, you don't want people actually looking at the shirt anymore. You want to just redirect it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's stupid, but for whatever reason, it's, it's, uh, something I do. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I think sometimes that's an in, that's an interesting. Maybe that's a maybe that's an episode one day. Is you know we talked about dealing with criticism on the first episode that we ever did. Like, how do you deal with compliments? Oh, you yeah. You know, like I know some people who are 
you know, incredibly proud of themselves when, you know, when they do something and they're, they're very much in the moment. I, I don't know. I subscribe to the theory that everybody talks about living in the moment, but nobody knows how the hell to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and I am certainly in that boat. Definitely. I don't know what it's like to live in the moment. You know, if there's a, if there's an opportunity to go do something now that I will never have a chance to do somehow, I will miss that cue. I will not, I will, I will completely miss that. Like, it's this is happening. I have to go do this now. So yeah, I, maybe that's something to explore somewhere down the line is is dealing with you know effectively dealing with compliments and yeah how not let it go to your head and you know how to stay in the moment or do you actually just let it go to your head and you know celebrate everything like you seem to do and then take the summers off and you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what's really funny? I mean, maybe this is like talking too much about this now. If we're gonna talk about this again, but. I just have the thought that while I'm so uncomfortable getting compliments, it is also, um, are you familiar with the five love languages? Like, have you heard of that before? No. All right. So the five love languages is this book and it it originally was intended for like couples to be able to understand one another, but there are five languages that most people identify with one of them as being basically the way that they like to be loved the most. And mine was kind of like tied number one, number two between um, quality time. So just, you know, whether this is partner, friends, whoever it is, I just like spending time with other people. Like that is, that is what I want to do first and foremost. But the second, which was really close to that was, is called words of affirmation. So I like to feel appreciated by people either through written word or telling me, that I'm appreciated. So it's, it's very funny that I am also uncomfortable with that. So while we're on this train, I'm going to try to remember what the three other ones were. One of them, one of them is acts of service. Um, one of them is physical touch and one of them is, um, like gifts. So what's interesting about the whole thing is gifts, G I F T S not gifts, G I F S. Yeah. That, I okay. mean, they would have been Because I would do really well with GIF. You would. Yes. I, I mean, that is really that. Now, that is the love language that you speak. Speaking That's a strength. In gifts. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's a personal strength. But um, yeah, but what's interesting about it is people want to receive a certain love language, but they often speak a different one. Um, so it's all about, you know, it's, it's a really good idea for people that you're close with or that you spend a lot of time with to get a good understanding of, you know, how they want to be appreciated so that you can kind of make that like the number one way. Like there, you know, there are people who I'm sure like have grown up and like didn't get positive reinforcement from their parents. So maybe their number one thing is they need people to like show them through words that they are appreciated. And like I find these personality tests and strengths finders and all those, I find it very interesting. You're a byproduct of where you come from, though. I mean, you know, I feel like I've grown up and, you know, I can remember talking to my dad as a kid and my dad always had everything together and, you know, he was the pillar of strength. And, um, you know, I can remember when my aunt had passed away unexpectedly and I remember talking to my dad. We were going to the train station to pick up my sister and, um, you know, he asked me how I was doing. I'm like, I'm all right. You know, obviously I was really sad and, Mm um, you know, stupidly I mean not that it was stupidly but I was just like well how are you you know like just you know, <laughs> yeah. continuing the conversation and 
you know, he was like, uh, he goes, I'm okay. You know, he goes, I'm fine. He says, you know, in, in, in times like this, he goes, everybody's kind of falling apart and somebody's got to hold it together. He goes, you know, and that's kind of the role that I've always looked at. And for some reason, that's one of those things that has always kind of stuck with me about, you know, when things are down or when things are a little hectic, like somebody's got to kind of be able to hold it together. So when the compliments come after like a rough patch or a rough period, or you've kind of like dug out of a hole and you've gotten, you know, you've, you've advanced somebody's career somewhere or you did really well on a project or, or, or a presentation, like you kind of go, yeah, well, this is kind of where I thought it was going to go. You know, this is what I expected of myself. So I appreciate the compliment. Thank you very much. But this is, this is who I am. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, we were just talking about this, my dad and I, the other night, um, most of our, our listening audience has no idea about, about this. And I kind of have debated for a while now, even talking about this. And, um, but, um, about two months ago, my mom passed away, um, after a six year bout with cancer. And it was a very, very tough, um, time obviously in, in our families, um, in our family's lives. And, um, I won't go into all the details about, you know, what, what kind of transpired and how that went. But I talk about my dad as being this kind of like, you know, rock and you could always rely on him and he's got it together. And, you know, even he was talking last night about, you know, the days and weeks, uh, that month, that first month really after she passed away, you know, even though she was kind of in declining health and you knew that the end was coming, you know, that he really struggled with, um, how to, you know, deal with things. And, you know, as he put it, you know, he's sucking, he's sucking air. Like he was having a hard time getting his energy level up and it really Mm kind of knocked him out. And for the first time he really felt like, you know, he didn't have answers. He was just kind of operating in a body, but he really wasn't doing anything. And I think, you know, in, in periods of stress, you know, whether they're emergencies or whether they're, you know, family things like I was just talking about, or even if it's at work when you're dealing with a high stress time, I think sometimes when you get through that, you know, you really struggle with, how to function, how to process, how to, how to go on. You almost kind of have to rediscover that in your body, um, through trials and experience until you kind of get back on track. I don't want to be too, too long winded here, but I remember being in a district, um, a number of years ago when we had some students pass away in a car accident and it was really, really, you know, devastating for the school community. And as the person handling the public relations, um, for the district, you know, in crises, you kind of have to have your head down and you really need to be kind of focused and paying attention to details and working with the police and working with the administration and so on and so forth. But I remember getting to the end of that week, the crash, the car accident happened on a Saturday night. So we kind of walked into it, dealt with it a little bit on Sunday, but kind of dealt with the fall aftermath of it on Monday. By Friday at the end of the week, when everything was kind of over and done with from the communication standpoint wise, um, I remember walking to my car and just being like, Whew, you know, for the first time in, in a week, I kind of looked around and went like, there was a lot of emotions flying around this week. And it really kind of knocks you off your game when you're not paying attention to those, those feelings. Mm-hmm, um, like you're not dealing it, with them. Yeah. It can be really, um, you know, detrimental, not just to, you know, maybe not so much to the work if you're keeping your head down and, and, you know, we can all, I mean, we've all have busy times and we all identify with when, when crazy season is for whatever it is we're doing. But no matter what it is, when you come out of it, yes, there's this level of just like excitement and joy and you want to celebrate, but there's also this just fatigue that, that sets in that you need some time to kind of self care a little bit. So maybe what I'm saying is I totally identify with the summer hours thing that you're on, you know, as much as I was making fun of it before. Now it sounds like a really good idea. Yeah. Well, maybe you should uh, advocate for that within your group. 
Oh, I don't know about that. I actually, we were talking the other day about going to social media marketing world in, in San Diego. We were briefly kind of bantering back and forth on that. And I talked to my boss and there was like, yeah, put together a pricing thing. And then I just got out of a meeting today with our, like our high level uh, boss. And it was just like, we're going to be really scrutinizing trips and all that. And I was just like, Oh, there goes that. I didn't have to announce. I don't know to be, to be determined on that. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll send you good vibes. Yes. Yes. Please do. Cause I think that would be really fun. Um, if you don't mind, I don't want to like get too much back, like too much into this. I don't, but, um, since your dad is, has become like such a character on, on the podcast, I feel like we, we bring him up in, in most episodes. Um, I know I was just thinking about the fact that you said that he has like kind of like identified as, as a pillar of strength. And I think for the first time in his life, he has like had no choice like he could not be that pillar of strength in this situation. Like, you know, when you, when you lose your spouse, that's like, you know, you can't also be in that role of like, Oh, Hey, I'm going to be the one to make sure that everyone else is like taken yeah. care of. So he was I think like, it falls to uh, the people around you, your support system. So I'm sure for him, it was kind of like a double whammy. It was like one dealing with this awful situation and the grief and like missing your mom, but also his, his role in in the aftermath of all of this being different than what he was used to yeah and right? then how you and then how you kind of put the pieces together and figure out how to go on because no matter how much you try like he's gotten the dog in the last two months like you know like he's he's tried to take some steps to be a little bit more social and outgoing with things and i think he's you know he's he's doing great um you know in terms of of that you know mm-hmm. like he's he really is you know trying and um you know, between what my sister does to help support him and, 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 you know, check in with him and keep certain things kind of going and, you know, what I'm able to do from, from a distance, uh, cause I live about six and a half hours away from, from my dad. Um, you know, we try to support each other and we try to get each other through these things. And, you know, we all deal with stuff like this. I mean, anybody who's listening to this can probably identify with, I remember taking a class at St. Rose. It was a, it was a phys ed. Uh, did you ever take a class with, uh, Ann Nielsen? Was it the stress management class? It was stress management. <laughs> yeah. Everyone, Do you remember me talking about this? No, no. I don't remember you talking about oh, it, okay. but I also took stress management. This was the class where we had one of the things we had to do was like, wear it like a pedometer and like mm-hmm. exercise a certain amount. And I remember not exercising and just shaking my pedometer shaking to it, get yeah. my steps. Yeah. I'd sit in the newspaper <laughs> office, the campus paper office, like 10 minutes before class, just like viciously shaking, violently shaking the freaking pedometer back and forth to get it to the amount of steps so she can log it. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember her talking one day about how you will be confronted with two things in your life that will throw you into shock or put you into a, into a moment of shock or whatever it is. And it's, and like, since that day, those words have just been like tattooed on my head because like, there's been a few things stressing you out though. Like, is this the thing? thing? Like how is this stress management? Like if you're like (laughs) making me stress for the rest of my life, I also thought it was a little disingenuous that it's stress management and there was a final exam at the end of the course. Says the person who is cheating on the pedometer. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I probably cheated on the final exam as well, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it, I, I've always, I've always wondered like, is this it? Is this the moment? Is this what it was? Like, you know, when my mom passed away, like, yes, it was like, you know, I think that counts as the moment. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it was like, you know, unexpected. So like, I don't, I don't really know. I've also recently gone through another situation that you're uh... also very aware of in my, 
in my uh, life that um, you might qualify as probably yes. that moment that throws you into shock. Um, about a month ago, I walked into my house and um, after being out at work, my wife was out at work all day and I came in and we had a pipe burst in our bathroom upstairs and completely uh, flooded out our entire house, um, all three floors, um, major, major damage. And we've been kind of uh, hoteling it for the last month and into the foreseeable future. And um, yeah, yeah, it's been a it's been a month. Just, um, uh, you know, just after your mom passes away, this happens. And yeah, yeah. it's been a month. Um, so like. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, maybe those are the two. I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, it's, uh, those words have always been in my head. Those, oh, those, two, those two shock moments. All right. Well, whether or not, I don't know, maybe she didn't teach us when I took it or I didn't retain the information, which is more likely, but <laughs> that, that idea is something that has kind of haunted me, if you will, because I I always hesitate to even like talk about this or I don't really know how to talk about this, but I have had like a really good and uneventful life. I mean, when you're talking about like, oh, we've all like dealt with like bad things that have happened to us. I can't really name one like horrific thing that has happened to me. And I know I shouldn't feel bad about that, but that's just it's the way it is. But because I know that like all of these awful things have happened to wonderful people. I think I've always had the thought like kind of like waiting for the shoe to drop like all right when is that bad thing going to happen to me because it seems like bad things happen to everybody but in more recent years I think um it's funny that this this just came to mind because I I have not had these thoughts in recent years but I think it is partially because I've like started to adopt the thought that like you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid to live your life. You can't be constantly, you know, living in fear that something bad is going to happen to you. And instead kind of arm yourself with the thought that like, no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. And no matter what happens, like you will get through it. And I know that's like really easy for me to say, knowing that like, you know, I haven't lost a parent and my house hasn't flooded like, like these horrible things that have happened to you. But I don't know. I think there's like at least a little bit of reassurance and like maybe I don't know mental strength that I'm trying to build up mm. if and when anything bad happens it's like knowing at least I'm gonna keep telling myself that like whether it's like a big thing that happens to you or or a small thing that I can I'll get through it I remember when my mom was first diagnosed with with cancer that she was kind of like outlining very calmly outlining like you know, here's what the next, you know, couple, you know, next month is going to look like, like I'm going to go for treatment and then this is going to happen. And if this all goes well, I'm going to get a transplant and, um, you know, and, and then they say I can have, I can live anywhere between like, you know, five and 10 years. And I was just like, so wait a second, you get this transplant and then they start a clock on your life. I'm like, what the, what the hell is that? Yeah, like, like, and I, you're like, okay with this? Like, what are we building not... towards here? And, you know, and, and she was just very matter of fact about it. She's like, yep, nope, that's how this goes. And, you know, and I was just like, oh, Okay. So, you know, it was a whole new kind of reality, I think, for all of us. And there were good times in those six years and there were very tough times in those six years. And, you know, it, it certainly has helped, you know, it makes you stronger when you go through things. That's not really a smart statement, but um, it's a very evident statement. But, you know, the more experiences 
you put yourself in, the more things that you try, the more prepared you are. And, you know, I think about, you know, you talk about taking stock and compliments and whatnot. Not that anybody complimented me about how I handled myself, but yeah, I'm pretty proud of the way I kind of like conducted things, you know, in, in the days and weeks after my mom passed. And, um, you know, it wasn't easy and it's still not easy, but you know, you kind of have to take stock in, 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 in certain things that you go through and realize that, you know, you've gotten stronger and you've, and you've dealt with a situation that, you know, hell, a lot of my friends haven't had to deal with yet. So it's, you know, I don't know what that counts for, but yeah, no. And I, I've definitely, you know, granted, I'm not like with you every second of the day, but from what I've like, certainly seems like it, (laughs) it feels like it sometimes, but, um, (laughs) yeah, like I, I feel like you have, had a healthy balance of, I feel like when you're saying that you're not saying like, Oh, I'm really proud of myself because I've been so strong through this and I've been able to keep my life together. I think what you're proud of is the fact that like you did allow yourself to grieve and you allowed yourself to be sad and you still allow your, allow that to happen. And I think that that's like, that's half of it. It's not just, okay, I'm moving on with my life because you can't, that can't really happen without you dealing with with all of the emotion involved in, in, you know, such a great loss. I just remember being like so excited after, you know, after we got back, uh, you know, from, from the services and, and my wife and I got home and I remember texting you and, you know, it had been like a week to 10 days that maybe, maybe two weeks. I don't really yeah. recall at that point in time, but it was a while. And you kind of like, I mean, you were great. I mean, you picked up, you know, uh, you know, the work that I typically do in this partnership. And I mean, we didn't miss a beat. And but now I remember you guys just... can uh, scroll back in the feed and see if you can figure out when that was <laughs> that I took over. <laughs> but I remember like texting and being like, I'm back. I'm ready to go. Like, you know, I, I need to kind of like so sink my teeth. <laughs> I mean, like it was it was such a horrible like, you know, I, I knew that you had like just been through this horrible s- stuff. But I also, you know. It wasn't fun running things by myself, but also, you know, I miss you too. And it, it was, it was weird to, you know, not be talking to you every day when you were, you know, going through this stuff and yeah, I'm happy you're back. But is there, well, I'm happy I'm, I'm back and I'm happy I'm back too. But you know, is there, is there something that can be said about going through these types of things and like wanting to feel normal by immersing yourself in your work and you know, getting back to something that seems normal. Like I can remember when, um, I mean, we're Yankees fans here. So, or Who's you, we? You, you were a Yankee fan yeah. at one point in time, yes. right? So yes. whatever, whatever <laughs> twisted story that you want to tell about your baseball past. Um, but I can remember then, uh, back in, uh, the 99 world series who's my favorite player was Paul O'Neill growing up and, um, his dad passed away before game four of the world series. The Yankees would go on to clinch that world series that night and, and win the title. But I remember listening to a sound bite before the game and Joe Torre, their manager was being interviewed and said like, you know, we were kind of, you know, wondering whether or not he was going to play that night. And, you know, but I showed up to the ballpark and there he was, you know, in the clubhouse getting ready. And he said, you know, sometimes, you know, during your greatest tragedies in life or your greatest trials in life, you know, your greatest sanctuary can be between those white lines. And it's funny that like, I felt that way. Like, you know, as much as, I, I needed to be with my family and that was my priority. No, no questions asked. There was an element of like, I want to get back to normal. I want to as, as close to normal as you can in these situations mm-hmm. and, and get back to doing some work that I'm, I'm passionate about that makes me feel like there's a rhythm to my life again. Um, 
you know, there's that connection that you can't really replicate anywhere else. I hate that there is, I think that there is sometimes shame associated with that. Like when someone goes through something bad and you're like, you know, I just, I want to get back to work and not just work, but like, you know, things that, that you enjoy doing. And I think that sometimes people feel guilty, like, oh, they didn't, they didn't put their time in, you know, grieving or, you know, or people can look at it as like, you're trying to avoid grieving. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's such a delicate balance. And I feel like nobody, and I'm, I'm saying these things because these are, these are like stigmas that I've heard before, but like nobody should ever judge the way that someone goes through a situation like that. Even if you right. have been through it yourself, like you can't compare how one person is going to feel, you know? Right. I have a, a I, I talked about a friend of mine who lives up in Canada who um, th- was the one who talked about, you know, being good luck, me being good luck. Oh, right, right. So this is, is totally why you, you really like this friend. I was going to bring this back. You knew this was happening. Um, this is um, Carla Pereira. Um, she's got a great deal of, of history and knowledge in the area of mental health. And, you know, I work for an organization that um, has a, uh, a special education division. So, you know, you feel like you understand these things well because you're around it and you, you know what, you know, you work in education. But some of the more enlightening conversations I've had about this topic has been with her and has come from hearing how she's dealt with, you know, certain issues in in the districts where she works or certain personal connections she has with things. And it's like, that was really one of the earlier times in my life where I was just like, yeah, you really can't, you know, you can't cast stones. I mean, like you understand things for the way you do, but other people understand things the way they do and how they handle it and how they process it are completely different. Mm hmm. This is like on this same note, but not really on this topic, but I read something this morning that I loved, and this is from Tribe of Mentors, which is a book that I may have referenced before. It's by Tim Ferriss. You know, I'm such a fangirl of him, but, um, and I'm- You're a a Ferriss head? Is that what we're calling it? I just made that up. I don't know. Okay. I guess I'm a Ferriss head, but, and I, I can't- um, remember who this person was who said this because this book is a collection of interviews with like a bunch of different people. But this person said that when people are giving out advice, the only piece of advice that should really be given out is that everyone needs to take things and figure out how it works for them. Because I think you've said this before, people are constantly like dishing out advice, like this is how you do things. This is how things work. But hate that there is there really is no one size fits all. So if, if we as people following advice are following things to the letter, we it won't work. I mean, it, it won't work the way that people say it's going to work unless we apply it in a way that works for us. So, yeah. you know, I'm someone who like takes in an enormous amount of information and an enormous amount of, of advice, but I've kind of learned in the last few years that none of those things ever go the way that people say they will go. And instead of getting angry and saying like, hey, how come this didn't work for me when I saw that it worked for this person, I realized it, oh, it's because my situation's different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and thought, what makes it? What makes? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say. I, I just, I, I loved seeing, and I didn't communicate this as eloquently as they did. If I can find the passage again, I will link to it in the show notes. Um, but I, I love that someone, you know, gave that message. 
Yeah. And I always feel like it puts you in an awkward position. Like if you're the one giving the advice and it doesn't work for the person and they come back to you and they say as much, it's almost like they don't, you know, you lose that credibility. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, as much as the, you know, we started this thing talking about influencers and as much as these voices out there are very persuasive and they make, you know, a, a big difference in today's world, just doing your own research and doing your own, you know, your own digging on things. That's where it's at now. You know, like there's so much data available to you. You know, that's really where you need to kind of focus your efforts in on and making it about your brand because everything is so, you know, niche today. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, there really isn't an excuse not to have that kind of information. I know this is like, this is such a big thing for you. Irks the shit out of me. Don't edit that out either. I notice you edit out my curse words sometimes. Don't edit that out. What do you mean sometimes? I always edit them out. All the time. This is a fa- apparently this is a family show and I was unaware. Hey, we call it the creative family. Oh yeah, you're gonna throw that in my face, right? Yeah, I had to. <laughs> what else you want to go here? I have one other thing that we can talk about if you want to, or I, f- I feel like we could end it with that. It's no, keep going. I'm actually this has been a lovely conversation so this, far. This has been very lovely. Yeah. Um, I, upon your recommendation via Twitter, listened to the Sunny show today where she interviewed Susie Moore. Yeah. And, um, first of all, I just want to say, I was a little surprised that you enjoyed that so much. You enjoyed it enough to tweet about it and highly recommend it to other people. Highly, highly recommend yeah two highly two highlies in the tweet yeah yeah i mean you i don't usually show that much excitement about anything no no and i almost didn't click on it because you're a douchebag no because i am always recommending things to you and you listen to me maybe like one out of a hundred times so i I don't want to give you that satisfaction so my way around (laughs) this is that i didn't like heart it but i did go listen to it because i do like sunny and i was interested um But yeah, it was a great podcast episode. And and going back to what surprised me was that I listen to stuff like this, like all the time. I mean, that that's all day, every day. I didn't realize that those types of conversations were intriguing to you or that you connected with them in, in a highly, highly engaging way. Yeah. Well, there's, there's two things off of that. Um, I'm a big Sonny Leonard doozy fan. Um, I, I highly recommend at Sonny Leonard doozy. Um, she's a wonderful, um, entrepreneur coach, um, business advisor, um, YouTube expert. She's great. Um, you know, she's, she's helped me out a lot in my career, whether she knows it or not. Um, so go out, follow her. I hope she inspires you too. There's two things off of this. One is is that I, I I listen to pretty much everything that she does because I feel connected to her through uh, through social media and through the work that that she shares. So that's one thing. But because I don't know, we, in in school public relations, right? There is something called now. This is going to come. I know there are people who listen to this that are going to. Uh, uh, probably look at me strangely who work in this industry, my I industry. I like this. It's going to be controversial. But there's something called um, your your uh, your APR, which is uh, an accreditation in public relations. It's basically saying that 
uh, you know, you're good at, at, at public relations. It gives you, you know, it's like the letters at the end of your name that, that you can have and it gives, you know, it gives you a status and, and that's great. I think that people who go for that, who want to go for that should go for that. I have a really hard time when people say like, you should really go for your APR. Why? Yeah. Why? So, so I can have letters at the end of my name. So, I mean, I, I can, I can, I can get a better job. I can, you know, I, I get it. But if the letters at the end of my name are going to make a difference between me getting another job in the future or somebody else getting another job in the future, I don't want the job. Yeah. There are so many opportunities that existed. We covered this, I think, in episode eight. I think it was on motivation. I don't know if that was episode eight, but we covered it on ep- in, in, in the motivation episode that there are just so many opportunities that exist today for people to, if they want to do something, they can do it. You want to start a podcast, you want to do a video series, you want whatever it is, yeah. you can do it. And as long as you are, are, are researching, you're smart, you have a personality, you're dynamic, all these things that kind of come in, you can really accomplish anything that you want. So this whole show that she did was really about how the concept of going to get a master's degree or going to a, you know, getting specialization and and whatever, you don't need it in 2018. And I firmly agree with that. It's, it's, it's something that I don't knock people who want to go get it. But for me, I look at it and I go, why, why I've accomplished a lot, I think in my life and I'm 32 years old and you did I've it done without all of your it. letters. Right. <laughs> I did it without my letters. Right. Yeah. No, I, I could not agree more. I mean, there are eight-year-olds who have millions of YouTube followers and are making millions of dollars, and they certainly don't even have a high school diploma. So you absolutely don't need accreditation. I mean, like, I think that for some people who, who go through things like that, whether it be, you know, in your field or elsewhere, I know that there are people who genuinely want to be educated and to kind of like go deeper and genuinely love learning. And I mean, if I were to ever go back to school, I would do it not to get some other degree just because that's how I enjoy spending my free time is, is just learning more. Mm -hmm. Um, but the people who are doing it, like you said, like to get ahead I think in most cases it's it's one of those things that people hold themselves back from doing something until x happens and for some people it's until they get a degree or they look at other people and this goes back to exactly what we were just talking about before about people thinking that they can't do something because this other person has done it this way so they need to follow that exact same path you have to you have to forge your own path and you have to right. be willing to do things in your way, even though that might be different than someone else who has already been successful in your fields. In fact, I think the people who are the most successful are the ones who have done it differently. Do you agree with that? I do. I, I do. You know, I also think that just because you, you, you go for this certification it doesn't necessarily, I mean, maybe it makes you more, more of a thinker, more of a, of a strategist, you know, whatever the, the, the desired outcomes of taking those courses and getting that certification, maybe that's what it gets you. And that's fine. But there are people out there who can do what you're doing through this, this certification and, and maybe can do it better. So 
does that make them better than you? Does it, are you better than them? Because like, I don't, I don't get the purpose of it anymore. It's almost like, I mean, we're really kind of even getting into the debate about like, do you need to go to college? Do you need to mm-hmm. go to, do you need to do these things to be successful? Because what's your definition of success? Who you, who's, who's defining it? One of the examples in, 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 in Sonny's show today was about writing and how, I think it was Sunny who this. was saying, yeah, when she was, there was, it was a, was it, uh, whenever, wherever she was in school, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the, on the, the, the specifics, but basically she was told by a teacher that she wasn't a good writer and, and she was and just like, what are you talking to, about? She wanted to go into journalism, but right, yeah, even though that, it. even though that teacher said that she was a bad writer, she still became a, a journalism professional before right. she and, went off and, and to do, before she went off and did her own thing. Right. And frankly, you know, okay, so you may not write by the book, but she's built an entire brand communicating in her way that that connects with so many people, myself and you included. So who's right and who's wrong? Like this is but like it just it just frustrates me sometimes that like we define value and success on accolades or on accreditations or on whatever it is. And that's, if that's how you define it, that's fine. I I respect that wholeheartedly. You don't even need to hear it from me. You don't even need my respect, Mm -hmm. but I think the opportunities that exist out there today, this podcast included, there are more avenues for success by charting your own path and doing it your own methodical way, knowing what your content area is, identifying your audience, um, creating content that matters to that group only, that's going to be where you make your hay. That's going to be where you make your bones. Absolutely. Ugh, I love this. I love this conversation. I mean, I, this, this could definitely be its own discussion. Um, but yeah, what, what sparked something inside me when I listened to this episode was, was really hearing that conversation about like that you can do different things in different ways. And I even, even though this is something that I, I really preach, like, you know, you don't have to do things the same way someone else is doing it. I still catch myself saying like, I'll, I'll use Sunny as an example. I see her success and she's like a big YouTube star. And I have just started putting out, I mean, we've put out YouTube videos through the podcast. I've done some on my own brand. And I say to myself, mine will never be as good as Sunny's because Sunny was a professional journalist and she was like that was her full-time job right. she so, was on camera she yeah. understands you know right yeah. or or i say my videos will never be as good as sunny's because she has a cameraman now knowing she went for years without a cameraman just filming like in her apartment and grew her audience that way so that that was kind of like a little reality check for me but still i hate that i still have some of those thoughts you know, I, I think that we all do that. We all have the people that we admire. And then we say, oh, well, we can't quite do that because of X. And sometimes those things are like so stupid. Like, I, I swear we come up with these excuses so that we don't have to like hold ourselves to that standard or push ourselves to get to that place that we actually want to be at. Yeah. You have content envy. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So are you envious of me in any way? Um, oh, that's not good. Well, I don't know that you have something in mind that you're like, oh, she's probably envious of me that. Well, I mean, like when I lay something out, like I was like, 
panicking over the happy birthday Instagram post that I did the other day for you. Like I was like, you know, what like what makes up Michelle that would like not make this seem so generic? Like I put the champagne glasses in there. <laughs> that because, was yeah, a nice I you, touch. I know you like the champagne. Yep. You know, like, you know, I was trying to be I but like, I, but you also appreciate simple. So I was trying to be very simple with the graphic, too. I didn't want it to be too overwhelming. No, so you, like I design graphics with like, you know, you in mind or so your criticism in mind. You think that. I might be jealous of your design skills. Is that what you're saying? Oh, well, are, are you? Well, I don't know. I mean, you're kind of getting there. I, I was very impressed with the birthday graphic. Also, no, no degree. No degree in exactly. design. Exactly. No, it is, it is so true. Like, I learned a lot at St. Rose. I learned a lot as far as graphic design goes, especially like the fundamentals of graphic design, because I don't think that that is something that is widely taught, even, even in uh, college graphic, most college graphic design programs. But I tell my readers all the time, like, you don't need, you don't need my degree to be awesome. You don't even really need to know design fundamentals. Um, if Chris Herrick ever listens to this, who is my graphic design professor, she would kill me. But you can go on Canva and look at, I can't believe I just said Canva. But yes, you can go on Canva and look at not a sponsor, not a sponsor, you can look at their templates and look at how something is laid out. I mean, you could straight up just steal their templates or you could just study how they have displayed things and then recreate it on your own, which I think Steve, you do sometimes. Oh yeah. Like you, you look at examples. Sometimes I know that you look at my work. I do. I try to, I try to get inspired by certain things. I love how I sent you a picture of something that you've done and I'm like, can you just get this word out there and put that word in there instead? <laughs> it just totally blew a hole in your design. <laughs> it's not what I was going for at all, but sure, if that's what you want. Uh-huh. I love how I'm a communications major and I will do anything in my in my power to avoid a conversation with people. Even me? I have yet to avoid you a hesitated. conversation with you. Well, you I had to think. Like, we, well... <laughs> We talk through text message most of the time, and I'd much rather communicate through text than communicate call. on a phone or, or, or even person to person because that's just that can be painful sometimes. Yeah, I, had I don't know what I would do if I ever ran into you like face to face. Yeah, I mean, like our whole like since college, like pretty much our whole life has been like email, text, Skype, Skype. Yeah, I don't Google know. If, all right, so I don't know if our listeners know this, but. Steve and I haven't actually seen each other in person since I don't, what year? It's been over ten years. I know that. Two thousand. Well, what uh, what year did May get married? Because that was probably the last time we saw each other. She got married, I think, in two thousand four. No, she got married in two thousand five. Summer two thousand five. Because I had I had just graduated. Um, okay. So. So I haven't seen you since July of two thousand five. Yeah, long mm-hmm. time, guys. You're going to like walk into a room one day and I'm going to see him and be like, I thought you'd be taller. <laughs> like you haven't grown. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's a good ending. Yeah. I could take that. that ending. Yeah. That works. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and let us know what stood out to you the most. Looking forward to hearing from you. Yeah, cut out the content. I was trying to come up with something that was going to be like funny and it just didn't work. Happens. Sometimes they don't laugh.